If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland. A mysterious, all-powerful character. What a crusade of a law. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm I'm Sal, uh, and I'm joined today uh, by Josh Williamson. <laughs> Josh, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, thank you for having me again. I'm, uh, I always love coming on here and just, you know, talking about comic books and uh just you know shoot the shit it's a nice break in the middle of the day when everything is crazy all the time in comics they just come in and uh and just talk about comic books some more but in a fun way in a fun way yes yes exactly we're not commentating on comic books we're not uh, tr- talking about doom and gloom or storm clouds coming over the horizon instead we're just yeah, going to celebrate yeah. the world of comics uh maybe talk some about what you're doing specifically uh on comic books and uh, and 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 all that stuff. It's gonna be a fun old classic conversation. Give <laughs> <laughs> me a blast. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm always. Uh, I feel like I feel like I'm always a worst case scenario person all the time. Like I was just talking to somebody else about this earlier. We were yeah. we were looking at something and and they were they were they were mad about something in a comic we were working on it and they were like, oh, this is they're they're mad about it. And I was like, yeah. this is good. What are you talking about? And it's because I can be so like worst case scenario about everything that when it's not the bottom, I'm always like, hey, this is still a win. All right. Like, <laughs> I remember, uh, I don't know who said this. It might have been Daphna at Boom. She's an editor of Boom. I think she was the first person I, I saw say this on Twitter. I might be wrong, but she was like, every single comic book that comes out is a miracle. Right. Because the amount of work, the amount of people, the stuff, the, the, the crazy hiccups and hurdles that show up out of nowhere um you know every day there's something you're just like oh my god like how are we how are we doing you know to produce it's interesting when you think about like an artist right like you know an artist could spend a month on one piece of art right right like one piece of art but comic book artists they are having to produce 20 to 22 pieces of art every month every month yeah every month every month and for writers like working on um i feel like i definitely went through the gauntlet over the last few years, I mean, doing Flash, where Flash was due, due every two weeks, no matter what, for yeah. like five, five and a half years, you know, and now with how busy I am, it's like a script's due every week. And so, you know, like the fact that we do that every week, it's so interesting. If you talk to people in other, other um, media, right? right? If you talk to people from TV and they're like, oh man, I gotta write. I gotta write eight issues this or eight, you know, eight episodes this year or something yeah. like that. <laughs> this like, year. Oh <laughs> when you when you start to tell people from like TV animation film what combo creators do, their brains are just like you right. know. Uh I'm always jealous of you know, you hear these stories where like a director, the director will finish a movie and then they'll be like, I'm gonna spend the next year thinking about my next movie. <laughs> I'm like, right. oh my god, I wish I had that. I wish I could like finish a comic and have a day to think about the next one. Usually it's like, oh, that's it. Next, like it's so it's so immediate into the next thing, and it's like, you know, because it's like, yeah, like I have my DC work, I have creator own stuff I've been working on, I have other things that I do, and then you know I'm also involved in other projects with DC that I'm not even writing, and it's like I'm always talking to other writers and editors about everything. Yeah, that uh, there's never a moment to be like. I don't know. It's that that feeling of like taking a deep, long like breath is so nuts. Like I, I I'm always jealous of Hickman. How when Hickman left, uh, he left Marvel, left Marvel after right. Secret Wars, mm-hmm. and was basically like kind of gone for about three years. Yeah, right? yeah, just disappeared. Right, ish, ish. Like he was doing stuff, 
and he was still doing creator own and you know he was working on other things but he wasn't in the grind yeah for a few years and then obviously he comes back really big with all the x-men stuff and now he's on his way out again but it's like you know it's like the ability to do that i am so jealous of like even right now with scott where it's like scott was able to finish death metal and then take time off and then just do scott i, I do a uh, best jacket i'm so yes. used to calling it scott over now <laughs> i forgot it was called best jacket not scott over uh yeah. and so because of that like but those things and it's funny talking to scott now and scott's like the happiest i've ever heard him now sure you know like now he's just like super happy all the time and he's just like oh man, this is amazing this is great and it's like oh what's the what's the difference and it's like oh i'm not working on a million things at once that's like, it that's right the, like <laughs> I'm not building yeah. a universe. I'm not building the yeah. biggest goddamn thing at DC Comics and then have everybody Every mad at me. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just making stuff, making stuff that I want that like yeah. only yeah. is about like it's it's from your headspace, and that's like yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing like it. I know that like if you ask any working creator today, like, would you write for X character? Doesn't matter which <laughs> one or one thing you've created they go to the thing they created every time because it's just like that's that's mine that's something that like, yeah, i mine. created it's from my 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 blood and i'm putting yeah. it out into the world well it's also it's weird when you're a creator to think about this is something I, I i think about a lot lately where it's like to not only if you create something really big for someone else to not only not control it later but have that thing or have it taken away from you is is have it to disappear yeah. like you know the people who worked. On, I was a, I was a really big fan of CrossGen, right? Like I was yes. I was like all in on CrossGen, and <laughs> I bought all those books. I was working at a store. I was on their message boards. Like I was I was I was a CrossGen fan, right? Yeah. And uh, like Scion was my favorite of those books, and you know they made a lot of really great books. And then you know it's all gone. Yeah, and it's like it, you know when you think about creators and even things like royalties, right? So like when you work at DC, particular DC or, or image, right? Like, but really I'll, I'll use DC as the example. When you work at DC, there's that you, you know, those things are going to kind of have a longer life, right? Like right. DC is really good about reprinting things. You know, they're really yeah. good about putting stuff back out there. They, they make it so everything kind of has a longer tail. Totally. Right? And you know, you, you, like it's funny because I I keep track of for my own stuff, but I look at what DC reprints all the time, right? And they'll be like, "We're gonna make an omnibus of this thing," you know? Like right now they're doing five year le later, they're doing five year Legion stuff, right? Yeah. Like they're making those giant omnibuses. That stuff's thirty plus years old. Yeah. And it's like, but now it gets to come out again, and you get to discover it, and you get to kind of. But there's also from a creator standpoint, it's nice that you're obviously gonna get those royalties on it, but it's just nice to know that like this work you did continues to find continues to be put out there seriously uh that fear of knowing you might put so much of yourself into this thing like say cross gen and to know that like like it's gone where it, it's gone you know and not to say not to say that like you know disney and marvel they might one day say hey we're gonna reprint an omnibus of every single one of these i think at one point they did something like that mm -hmm. but it's like could you imagine if they were just like you know but there's no i don't have I can't speak to them. I don't know for sure what the incentive is to do that at this point. Exactly. I, I don't, I think you're right. I mean, like I'll, I'll say it just to keep you out of, out of the fire, but like, I don't think there's any incentive for them to reprint old cross gen. 
And yeah. like, as far as like them as a brand, you know, they're like, what is that? You know, the, the fan base is aging, yeah. you know, like what, what's the, what's the benefit? Are we, is there a movie? Is there a, I mean, yeah, there's, there's really no benefit. I mean, and, and I, I, you know, from word around the campfire is that like Marvel doesn't like to have things reprinted more. And so as a result, like things kind of fall by the yeah. wayside or fall out of, uh, out of public consciousness, which is like, the death knell of any classic story. Yeah, you're I don't like, even know if I'm gonna look right now. I don't even know if Crushin is on. Crushin isn't on the app, right? They don't put it I on. Doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it too. But it's like they put all the Star Wars stuff on there, and I think some well, of sure, the players, you know. But it's like, yeah, obviously, I understand the difference between Crushin and Star Wars. But... No, no, but but yeah, but, <laughs> but but they don't necessarily want like they don't want to celebrate like look at what this other publisher did with an IP we own. You know, like they also yeah. all the alien stuff and. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also own like Ultraverse. You yeah. know, they, they own I... Ultraverse and Well like, hey, Topaz went is... ended up in that Thor movie. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I by name only, I think. And color scheme That's maybe. Funny. Uh yeah, they don't uh they don't like I don't know what the I I can't speak to them obviously, so I, I have no idea. Like it's just speculating of like is there an incentive to ever do anything with that? I have no idea why they don't do anything. I know people ask them times, they just don't like they, they, just don't. I, they don't give a real answer or that's one of those so the things, truth right? is we don't need a real answer. Like it isn't our business to know the answer in a lot no, of ways, no, right? No, no. Uh, but but there's that that's that thing where it's like it's money on the table. I feel like any opportunity to take something old, polish it, put it out there, even for the nostalgia market, is just money on the table you're leaving there, right? That's tough, man. It's because I had this I had this conversation with uh with with Tom uh King the like a, probably a year ago where I was like, why don't they do any more? Marvel D like why don't they reprint the, the, the Marvel DC crossovers? Because like it's just oh, no. well it's just but it's just sitting there and I'm sure at least with JLA Avengers, that thing has a contract about who gets what and how much, right? And it's like I'm sure that no one is not getting money out of this thing that exists yeah. that you can just reprint. And it's the same with Malibu, it's the same with Cross Gen, it's the same with like old Wildstorm books, you know, like just Get it out there. You know, what about, uh, remember that reboot for Wildstorm? Um, the, or Wildcats with the Jim Lee cover? Yeah, yeah. Where where was that? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. Like, right? I mean, that's the stuff you, 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 it is. It's like, well, I don't know. I think DC is better about reprinting. DC is stuff. better about it, yeah. Well, DC hey, that, you know, that was... Stuff. That was in the Wildstorm hardcover that they put out a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, I have that right here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, what, a good, what, a, what a beautiful edition, by the way. It was. It was great, yeah. Ben Abernathy, who's now the uh, back group editor, he uh, put that together. Um, did a really cool job. It was cool Good watching enough. that come together. Um, like, Marvel, so I get a lot of Marvel omnibuses. Like, it's interesting, like, and they, sometimes it goes out of print, you know? Like, they let things go out of print more often, and then they'll put yeah. things in these giant omnibuses. But you know, like... It's interesting to see what will disappear and then what will come back. I mean, obviously, it's calculated. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of math there we don't necessarily recognize. I assume, but at the same time, like, I feel like some of the math doesn't add up. I feel like it's just kind of like, it seems almost arbitrary. I don't know. Like, I mean, there's no, like, you know, <laughs> right? like, like, I can't, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, how do I explain this? Like, we see it that way. Right, sure. but I'm sure if we sat down and we said why, this has been my experience that every time, I would say not every time, but most times I've sat down with people from the multitude of publishers that I've worked for. Right, like I, I think I've worked for everybody at this point except for Dynamite. Right, right. so 
uh, or at least in terms of like the bigger ones, like I haven't worked for like say Vault or Black Mask, but I have friends true. who have, or I know people who work there and I have these conversations. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, most times if I sit down with somebody and I ask why, like I ask all these why questions, for the most part, they have an answer. And those answers are so dependent on like whatever is going on with the company at that time, right? right? right. But they do have answers and then it becomes a much, you know, and then it's like, well, who am I then to tell you how to run your company? Like, this is yeah. something I have to, I struggle with sometimes. Sure. Uh, my friends remind me of this. Uh, Rosenberg was giving me a hard time about it earlier this week or hmm. uh, last week, I think on like Thursday. Um, it is not my job to run the company and or any <laughs> or, or comics. And so I have to sometimes go, you're right. Okay. Right. Okay. This is your, that's your arena. Like, like I'll write the book. You, you I know what get I'm it supposed to there. do. Yeah. I'll, I'll get back to my job and let everyone else do their jobs, you know? Exactly. So it's, it's, and there's, there, I get surprised sometimes. Like there are times where, you know, I'll sit down with somebody, I'll ask her asking questions and I'll get worked up too and be like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And then they'll break it down for me. And I'm like, okay, well, that all makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, right, right. Back to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, it does yeah. happen. It does happen. You know, I've had times with them where they break it down and I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize all those other parts. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, cause comics is a giant, is a really giant machine and you don't see every cog all the time. That's true. Sometimes That's true. you start to question certain things and you find out, you know, uh, like, this affects this, this affects this. Like it's a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. Like if you pull one thread, you'll, the whole damn thing will come apart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's funny because sometimes I'll see commentary about comics, online and it's fascinating to me sometimes how who we talked before like i don't really i don't pay attention to social media the way most people do like a lot of times if something's like going on on social media the way i found out about it is people sending me screen grabs of things right like i don't actually see it when it's happening you know no like, you see it like, after the fact yeah after the fact where someone is like oh did you see all this and i'll get all these like screen grabs and i'm like no i am not paying attention but <laughs> no, when i do like occasionally yeah, no, like I'm too busy. Like I have too much stuff going on. Uh, I have it blocked most days, you know. So yeah. um, it's a bummer. Cause as soon as I want to engage, but then I'm just like, I don't have, I don't have time. You know, right. I don't have time to. Because you know, the, the, like answering questions leads to more questions. Exactly. So it's like you know, it's it's tough sometimes. I have to be strategic, and I feel like really in the mood. It's like literally the most times I ever answer any questions on Twitter is it's it's seven thirty at night. I have both of the kids are down. Right. Like I got them down on time, right? Like everything is cool. I come to my office and I look for like a minute or two and I go, okay, in this, this half hour block, because at eight o'clock I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to go hang out with my wife for the rest of the night. Right? Totally. Like, so I have that small window. If that happens, then sometimes I answer things. But, uh, but yeah, like I will occasionally see commentary. Or I'll talk to somebody. Like I'll talk to somebody, and they'll start explaining to me, like, "Well, why aren't you doing this? Why are we doing that?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like, don't you know about all this stuff of like why those things don't happen? You know, um, or or those things have been have been done. You know, right? It's 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 like every once in a while, and I hope I don't shame anybody what I say I'm about to say. Every once in a while, somebody will will be like, you know, what we should really try, what comics really needs to do." is motion comics That's the <laughs> thing. and i'm always like yo that has been done you want like, this you want the dvd of them that i could buy yeah, oh like, yeah we can we can go deep on all the motion comic stuff i think it's they're been on netflix like, you can like... watch like spider woman number one <laughs> yeah like, yeah 
No, I, I so remember like that. that kind I remember of thing that was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the kind of stuff you're always like, oh, okay. Like, so you have to recognize that, like, not everybody, uh, like, that's the thing I, I try to appreciate sometimes is that, like, I've been doing this. Like, I, I started working in comics. We've talked about before. Like, I mean, my first job was working at a comic book store when I was 14 years yeah. old. And so, and even before that, I was going to conventions and reading stuff. And I had Wizard. Like, I would read stuff. I was like, and then, you know, once I got my hands, like, once I went to college and I met people who worked in comics, I was just always asking questions and yeah. always, like, trying to learn. So not everyone has that kind of background, right? Like, no. not everyone has been in and out. Like, you know, not everyone was a... Uh, like I had a call with somebody at, at DC sales uh, recently, we were talking about stuff for next year and just some Batman stuff. And we had never talked before. And I found out through the conversation that, that they, we hadn't, we'd like almost bumped into each other a couple of times throughout our lives because of the weird, like how comics can be. Right. Yes. And it was like, Oh, the comic books where he was a manager of, I almost worked at, oh. I, they offered me a job and I turned it down because of like a bunch of different reasons back. But you know, that was, 20 years ago now right? right and so you're like oh okay that's weird um but then it's like they i sometimes surprise them when i'm like can i can have a conversation about diamond ordering systems i can talk right. about what the <laughs> foc actually looks like when retailers are doing it like i don't it's not an abstract thing to me i actually have the experience with it so i know a lot of people don't always have that so it's it's interesting when i get i, I look at a lot of stuff or i see things and you're just like it's I try to appreciate the fact that not everyone has seen all the ins and outs the way that we do. Right. Like I have to recognize that like, I'm so in, but there's also the flip side of that. Like I'm so embedded in the machine that I try to take a step back and be like, okay, what am I missing? Like how deep right. into this am I am that I'm not able to see the big picture. Um, and that's why I try to talk to also newer creators. A lot of times you get, just get their take on things. Just ask yeah. questions of like, what do you think is happening? Like, what do you see from your perspective? And you know, it's, it's, it is, it is interesting to kind of look at, at, at that aspect of stuff at the same time as trying to actually write comic books, like trying and, to and uh, do your job. Like it's not just being yeah. like an ambassador to the industry. Cause like I, not a day goes by at least for the past year, probably 10 that I haven't gone on Reddit and seen an R slash comic books, a new thread that says, I just got in. Where do I start? Where do I start? And so it's not just the people who like have assumed what the comic book industry has been for the last 45 years. It's also people who are like, I don't even know that there really is like a comic book industry. Like for me, I'm just like, I want to start reading Batman. Where do I start? You know, yeah, can't even, and like, and, and why can't there be, you know, and they ask questions that are like so abstract and so out off the norm. It's, it's where my show came from, from people mm -hmm. outside the industry being like, why like why are they doing this yeah. why is it like yeah. this and being like holy crap like i've taken this for granted so much and mm -hmm. it's like you know and now you know the, the the commentary industry has become its own cottage industry to it's the point where thing. like yeah. what's well, its, its own thing you have personalities i'm sure i'm guilty of it myself of throwing out just bullshit like mm -hmm. assumptions or blanket statements about how things work that influence the culture that consumes it and doesn't ask questions, but maybe asks questions that are tangentially connected to someone else just saying something. And yeah. then it makes them think that's, and it just, just that is what it is now. 
And then having people in the industry go like, hey, n- I can't tell you how my business operates, but I can also tell you that it don't operate like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's so it's but then it's like I'm obsessed with this lately and I've been talking to the creators about it. I have I have a plan that eventually I'm going to do uh, something. You and I can talk about this later. Sure. Um, but I, I think I'm obsessed with what matters, like what matters, what is oh, success yeah. in comics, but what matters, right? Because it's like right. you can have things that everybody loves everything pop like pops like everything's working the team the reviews the the like the the commentary everything is working and everybody's like this is awesome this is a success right right and then the sales come in and it's a total bomb and you're like what happened right and that happens happens so you're just like okay where where are the where's the breakdown here you know and it's like what you're saying it's like the commentary stuff and creators and all of us like Sometimes there are things that you're like, well, that's not going to work. And then yeah. it's a huge hit, right? It, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just like movies and TV shows, you oh, know, totally. there's always surprises and things. And you're just like, well, that was, I thought that was really popular. Like what happened? You know? Yeah. And you're like, well, at the end of the day, people got to get paid. So if exactly. the money's not there, right. And then it's like, sometimes there are things that are really, really popular. Or I'm sorry. I just I should change this. There are things that sell incredibly well that no one talks about or yeah. no one like likes Likes. that then then provides the money for these smaller projects that everyone loves but i'm like right. but think everyone loves these smaller projects why are they not just pushed like, just, just yeah 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 it becomes it's, a, it's such an interesting thing of like what matters and it's like every once in a while my wife has friends who read comic books and every once in a while i'll uh, just be around them and they'll ask questions or i'll ask them questions and i'm like oh man all this stuff that I think matters do not matter. <laughs> like <laughs> all this stuff, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're like, they're just like, I go to my comic book store, pick my books up. I have no idea what's happening. Like right. what's happening. But that's, what's interesting. Is that like, they don't know what's happening in the industry, but they know what's happening in their books. Yes. Right. Like they're following their book. They're following their story. They know a little bit here and there, like, but they're oblivious to so much of it that we oh, totally. Become- so obsessed with and we're just like well these are all pieces that matter and then you're just like but do they matter you know um and so i've been i've been talking to other creators like you know i i was talking to rom v about this and tom king and tom taylor and scott and james obviously you know and it's like all of us you know and with the way our industry is undergoing changes right now right like it's definitely changing and it's evolving and there's little pieces here and there and it's really fascinating to kind of see what's going on um at the end of the day, people just still want to buy books. We've, we've seen that, you know, like yeah. they just want to buy books and be entertained. Like, I think yeah. those are the pieces of it. Right. So it's yep. like, you know, or they want to, they want to feel something. I shouldn't just say entertained. They want to feel something, which I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I was watching squid game uh, and I loved it and it was incredibly stressful for me. <laughs> uh, that was my main feeling of that show was stress. Yeah. So, you know, I think that like people just want to feel something. From yeah. Work. Yeah. I, so I could like, not, I, I couldn't watch Squid Game. I just, my wife got me into Midnight Mass and I felt so much. I was like, yeah. I'm going to watch Seinfeld for the next month. Dude, I couldn't finish Midnight Mass. I got oh, halfway really? through and then I switched to Squid Game. I switched to Squid Game. Well, actually, this is the whole thing. I went from, what was the first thing I watched? I'm like, I'm trying to remember what the first one I watched was. Am I blanking? It wasn't. Oh, uh, was it I, the Haunting like, of Blind Manor? Well, I was, so I was watching that one too. No, there was another one I watched, and I watched all of it. I binged it, and I'm, I'm blanking on what it was. 
I really liked it. And then I was like, well, I got to find something else to watch. And so then I watched Sex Education ah. and got like crazy hooked on that. But binge that. I don't ever binge anything, but I've been binging stuff lately. Like I think the last three or four months have been the first when I started binging stuff again. And um, am I binging? I don't mean like, well, I, I was like, I, I watched two tonight. <laughs> you know, that's, yes. That's like my, but I watched them. I watched them within the space of like a week and a half or two weeks like that. Like it took oh, me wow. about <laughs> the game. You know, that's, that's like, I did it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watched two episodes tonight. Like that was my version of binging now. Um, yep. But I watched Education and then I jumped into Midnight Mass and then I left Midnight Mass for Squid Game just because everyone kept talking about it to me. Like, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. You got to watch it. So I started watching it, which I did love it. Yeah. Um, but all those things I found, like Midnight Mass, I found incredibly stressful. Oh, like yeah. I was deeply engaged in the story. I also felt like I was figuring stuff out a little too early in a lot of ways. Like, I think, like, oh, yeah. you know, without getting into my spoilers, it's like, yo, way too many of these actors are wearing old people makeup. What's going on? Like, in the first <laughs> <Yes>. episode, <laughs> in the first yeah. episode, you're just like, all these people are wearing old. I, I know that actors ain't that old. <laughs> like, yep. Totally. What's happening? Like, so immediately I was like, oh, okay, I know what's going on. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, some of that stuff I was, I was already like, okay. Uh, but I still was really, I was, I was enjoying it. Like I just, there was shots in it that I was like, oh, I want to screen grab of that because that shot's so cool. And, yeah. you know, but I, I had a really hard time um uh keeping up with it because i was getting so stressed out anyway yeah the comics you just want the same thing you want people to feel something for that story like i have i I know at at this point i know who mike flanagan is at this point Mm -hmm. right and and, but i mostly know who mike flanagan is because of james you know yeah it's like you know so it's like because of that stuff uh most of the shows I had this moment. I, I I don't know what show it was I watched. I well, we talked to you know you talk Hollywood Hollywood people and you know there's other stuff going on. But like, I was thinking about the Scream TV show that was on MTV years ago. Yeah. On that show, they would mention Nailbiter every once in a while. They would like literally show up copies of Nailbiter. No shit. Like, you know, those people obviously somebody worked on that show was a fan of Nailbiter, either a writer or somebody, right? Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if any of them are on Twitter. Nope. Really. <laughs> No, Damn. none of them were on Twitter. So I was like, oh, so interesting. Like our dynamics are so different. You know, it's it's us, us like comic people versus uh, like TV people. But I was like, there's a lot of shows that I love. I have no idea who makes them. Right. Right. Or now, like now I'm like, you know, like I, because of my thoughts on this lately, I've been a little more like, oh, okay. I really enjoy sex education. What else has this person done? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is the first thing they've ever done. That's fascinating. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to follow them because whatever they do next, I would also like to follow it. But it's so small. Like, right. whereas then with comics, I feel like there are some people who follow the characters and then there are some people who follow the creators. And it mix and match. Like, I think I kind of mix and match a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and so it's interesting to kind of see all those dynamics at work. It's just, like I said, it's like this, this Rube Goldberg machine, you know, it's just this giant thing that is comics. And sometimes we're so embedded in it that we get kind of lost in all that. And then you kind of go, you talk to one person on the outside and they're just like, one of my neighbors one time, uh, <laughs> we were outside talking and, and uh, her and her son and, and her husband, I think, I don't know what was going on, but anyway, we were all outside and she was like, I saw Black Panther and I loved it. And I was like, that's great. Yeah, it's a good movie. And she's like, I've never seen a comic book movie in my life. 
I had no idea it was like this. It was a young person. It wasn't it was like a, a younger person, not, okay. a, not a like, you know, a person in their like mid to early thirties. Yeah. And they were like, I was like, no, no, like, like you Batman. Batman? <laughs> Man, she was like, uh, I might've seen a Batman once, maybe like a Batman, you know, right. I might've watched like a bit of a Batman a long time ago or something. <laughs> like I might've, you know, and I was like, so you, you, don't, you don't have a memory of watching a Batman movie. Like, you don't have a very clear, like, I can tell you stories about every time I saw a Batman movie yes. in the theater. Like, I can tell you my, like, some kind of anecdotal uh, thing about almost every Batman movie ever. Totally. You know, uh, I remember being the first person in line for Batman Begins to go into the theater. And then this dude tried to cut in line with us. He was so crazy. He had, I was like, I don't care. Like, he ran. The moment the red carpet, the red, uh, the red thing, you know, whatever this, the, oh, rope, the rope, yeah, fell. This dude literally ran into the theater, and I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> we have a science. I don't think we have science seats yet, but you know, it's like, yeah, but like, there's an order here, um, yeah, yeah. But I remember being like, "That's weird." Anyway, but like, I can tell you a story about almost every experience Batman movies or comic movies, all that stuff. And I understand yeah. that's like very different for who I am. But when sure. I uh, hear stuff like that, I'm like, "Oh, that's right." Like, this stuff is not as big. Like, we take this stuff life or death sometimes not totally anyway yeah but speaking of that like i i am busy all the time like right. all the time so it's like because yeah i have i have, to, I have to remember this sometimes i wrote it down i made like a list of every book i was working on just for dc this morning oh just to kind of keep it all straight and i was like oh man i'm doing too much uh, but <laughs> it was like, you know with batman there's justice league because batman and then infinite frontier became justice league incarnate Yes. And then there's Robin, there's Deathstroke, and then I have the event stuff next year. And then I have like other books that haven't been announced yet that I've oh done. Uh, so it's a lot. Like, I mean, at some point, I recognize like right now I have like on average four books a month with DC on average yeah. uh, coming out. But there's all the stuff behind the scenes that I work on. And it's like, you know, I'm working on two really big stories for next year that are really massive. So it's like that stuff on top of everything else. Like, I have a co writer with, um, justice league incarnate yeah but co-writing doesn't mean especially the way i co-write like i don't co-write like i'm gonna write 10 pages you write 10 pages and let's see what happens it's like no, no it's, you're it's collaborating very much like yeah it's a very collaborative environment and it's uh you know it's one of my close friends and so it's a lot of phone calls and we talk and pass scripts back and forth and stuff and pass you know page breaks two scripts to the the whole process yeah um it definitely helps at times to have like another person looking at stuff as the machine's running but it's still a lot of work, you know, and, oh, sure. you know, and then doing, um, but then, you know, on top of that, like the doing, yeah, doing Batman at the same time, it's like working on Batman, which was one that, you know, uh, I couldn't say no to, even though I did say no at first. Uh, did you? I did. Yeah. I said no the first time I came around. Well, it's funny. Like I had talked to DC about doing Batman a few times over the last few years and the timing was never right. Like, when Tom left Batman before James came on, James knows this. I'm not like telling you something James doesn't know. Sure. Um, I had a conversation with DC back in 2019 about me doing Batman after Tom. And uh, we had this like whole conversation about it. And then when it came time, it was like, well, I have to finish Flash. And Flash is a double shift. Yeah. Like, like this is a story I've been telling and I want to finish the story. And, and and then it was like okay and these things and, and it, you know and then like it went to james it's all this you know so when when james was leaving like james and i were talking about it and i kept talking to dc about it and originally i said no and then uh but i kept talking to them about it every day 
Yeah. You know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, then it was like, okay, well, what would I do? And it was like, well, what do you guys want to do? What do I want to do? And then we started talking about what it could be. And then a big piece was like, I didn't want to derail what James was doing, but also what the back group was doing, right? Like the yeah. back group, like the line of titles is really cohesive right now. Like everybody's working really well together. And, you know, I was doing stuff with Robin and the stuff with Deathstroke. And it's like, you know, Mariko has detective and Tom's doing Nightwing and, you know, Batman Urban Legends was working and there were plans for Batgirls in the works, you know, yeah. for the last year. And it's like, you know, I know I'm forgetting a book, but it's like they they had a machine that was running and they had plans and creators they were talking to. And it was like, OK, well, I don't want to come in and blow it up. Yeah. You know, I don't ever want to be that creator that comes in and is like, well, now it's my time and my story. And exactly. And everybody fall in line. Cause it's the bat title. So off yeah. the table. So it worked yeah. out because James had already intended for Batman to leave Gotham. That was already in the works. And so I was like, I'll just do that. Then. Like, let's yeah. just keep that. Let's just keep that happening. And so that helped out a lot. And then it was just a matter of just trying to have some fun with, with Batman for a while and just try to tell some cool stories of Batman and just kind of, uh, you know, we got to have Jorge Molina work on it and, the stuff that we're doing in these first four issues of Batman is this storyline called Abyss about a new villain named Abyss. Surprise. Uh, but yep. we're doing this new villain named Abyss. And then it's like the stuff from that will lead into a bigger story we're doing with Batman. Um, and and then they'll start bringing together some of the pieces. Like everything I'm doing in the DCU since Infinite Frontier Zero has all been about, and we've talked about this before, but it's like I'm just putting all these pieces out into the DCU right yeah just like scattering all these characters out and all of these story pieces and laying all the groundwork so that eventually it's all going to start colliding and it'll start colliding in the spring and and so while i was working on batman i was like okay well i need batman and certain pieces of the back group to get into place for that as well so let's okay pieces to do that right and so yeah you know all these things are just it's like i'm trying to make it so that the dc really feels connected Right. Like I want to make sure that all these different pieces are uh yeah, connected and kind of bounce off each other, right? Like there's stuff yeah. from Robin that will impact the Deathstroke book that will impact Robin back on Robin. And then there's things from those things that'll impact Batman. But then I have the other side of it, the like Infinite Frontier side of it, the Justice League Incarnate side of it, and and those things are starting to come together where it's like, you know. I kind of want to compare it to like how infinite crisis was like the build infinite crisis. They basically set up like there are four problems brewing in the DCU. Right. And those four problems are going to collide at some point. And that's essentially what I've been doing where it's like, there are all these problems in the DCU that are building. And then obviously I talked to other creators about what they're doing. Sure. Try to find ways of integrating everything together, but it's like, yeah, everything is going to, at some point just massively uh, collide and that's it'll great. be, It'll be a big, uh, big fun. Well, <laughs> I'm really curious. That... It's going to be one of those things where I think it's going to be shocking at first. I think there's going to be parts of it uh, that people are going to be like, what the fuck? And then you'll start to see how it comes together after that. But there'll definitely be a big thing first that sets it off. That'll get people going like, oh, okay, well, that's a that's interesting. Like, that's, that's not what we expected, you know? And right. now it's well, that's certainly, from... I think that's where... Uh infinite frontier went and i wanted to ask you about um how yeah, sure. you feel now that infinite frontier the series has concluded yeah 
and its impact on DC and where it's going. Cause I know that like infinite frontier was like a springboard for the next thing, but like yeah. now that it's concluded, how do you feel about how it went and how it was executed? And uh, because it's ending, I don't want to spoil it, but I will say that like, there's a kind of holy shit moment at the end, but it's not <laughs> the kind of holy shit moment where it's like, we blew someone's brains out. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. I can save that for later. Don't get me wrong. People are going to sure, die, yeah. but I didn't want to like, <laughs> I saw a page yeah. today where someone got shot in the head. Uh, no, um, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there's definitely going to be a, uh, uh, there's going to be some conflict within the DCU. Like there's going right. to be, you know, villains are going to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. But it also uh, that is going feel, to happen. Yeah. But it also doesn't feel like it's housekeeping. This feels like it's coming from a perspective of story building and universe continuation, as opposed to like, you know, there's been a lot of like, I, I think it's fair to say that when New 52 ended, people mm-hmm. still had a lot of questions about what happened, what mattered, what was going on. Yeah. And there was a lot of like build and work that went into it that either did or didn't stick. And awesome. now we're in, but now we're in a place I think of just kind of like, don't worry about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Let me just no. tell a cool story. Let's just tell yes. some cool stories. Let, yes. me do some, let, me, let me do some cool things with these characters and don't let me, I'm not, I, I have a note here on my desk somewhere. I, I forgot where I put it, but uh, I'm not here at this point. Look at me wrong. I do try to fix things. I'm not going to lie. Sure. Uh, but that isn't my goal. Right. Right. Like I'm not here to fix the timeline. I'm not here to reboot anything. I'm not here to, you know, I'm not trying to come in and like rewrite reality again. It's like, that's yeah. not what I want to do at this point. At this point, I just want to tell stories about these characters. Yeah. Right. Like I, I think we have, you know, DC has a lot of really great characters. There's a lot of fascinating stuff and there's things you can do. And, you know, I want to just tell stories about those characters. And one of my favorite parts of the DCU is watching those characters interact with each other. Right. Like yeah, I like yeah. seeing Batman and Superman together, but then I also like seeing Batman interact with all of the DCU. Right. Totally. Like I like seeing Batman bounce off of characters. You don't normally like to see him in, you know, it's like, you know, I want to see these characters kind of interact with people that we don't normally see. Right. Yeah. Like, and without getting into spoilers, like that's a big part of this stuff is like, I want to put some of these characters in different situations where they have to interact with other characters they may not normally interact with because you can get gold in that, you know? And sometimes you find character moments. I mean, go back, look, look back at justice league when Keith Giffen was doing it, you know, with Jada Mathis and Kevin McGuire. And it's like the gold they discovered with booster, you know, no pun intended, but booster gold and, and, you know, blue Blue beetle, like those organic kind of connections that, that you can find in the DCU. Those are the things that I love. And so it's like, I mean, on top of I love all the legacy stuff and the generational stuff, but those relationships between the characters, and it's like yeah. you know, back group and with fan family and the Flash family and the Green Lantern characters, but then you need to mix and match and mash them up and stuff and get them to kind of that stuff I really, really uh, love to do, and so it's like, that's a lot of what next year is, and it's like, you know, when I look at things like what's going on um like we were seeing before with infinite frontier that was a part of the frontier which is getting to see some of the characters interact with each other and kind of but also i'm really interested in seeing stories in the dcu from perspectives we don't normally see them from. Mm. so it's like doing an event like infinite frontier those six issue series doing it from like roy's perspective and alan and todd and jade's and then getting to see it from uh you know bones and chase's perspective like just these different you know president superman and, and you know flashpoint batman like 
getting to tell stories at that level, at that scale from those perspectives, it makes it something unique and different. And you and, and so that's stuff I'm really interested in, where it's like, don't get me wrong, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman and the Justice League will have, you'll get to see their perspective, but I'm really interested in how, you know, when, when, when an event happens, a lot of times the event comes down to the big three's point of view, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I, I think Jeff has talked about this, where it's like infinite crisis is a Superman story at the end of the day. Right. And so it's Doomsday Clock, right? And and those are great. Like, I love Superman, and I, I love Infinite Crisis. Uh, I think that it's good to see it from different perspectives at this point. And so that's the stuff that I'm really interested in. That's what I was trying to do with Infinite Frontier, and I think I was successful there. And I was able to tell a story that was that, that made sense, was clear, and I was able to uh, tell this little piece of the DCU that is going to then blow up into other problems, right? Like, it was about getting Dark Side where I needed Dark Side to be. It was about getting Barry and Pariah and getting, you know, all of these parts without, sorry for spoilers, but, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, I wanted to get these characters in places I need them to be in an organic way. Like, I wanted everything to be earned, right? Like, there's one thing I'm working on now that you know, there's stuff that, that you'll see, like, when we get around to... It's funny, because, like, there's stuff for the bigger stories we're doing next year where I'm like, well, this character is going to do this. Yeah. And the question then comes, like, is that earned? Does it make sense? You know, is that an, an actual natural progression of those characters? And it's like, yes, because we're going to take the steps to get there, right? So it's right. like, you know, the things that are going on in all the books I'm working on, some of the stuff is just about, like, me showing you how to get there. So it's like, when we do some of the stories next year, there might be a character doing something. I don't want to say out of character because nothing is out of character, but they, they might be taking an extreme point of view on something, right? Mm. You might have a character be like, I'm fed up. So I'm going to do this thing, right? Like you look at, you look at Max Lord and how Max yeah. Lord, you know, when you get to that moment where he killed Blue Beetle, I think it was shocking but it was earned. Like, if you go back and read Justice League, it's like, oh, the pieces are here. Like, oh, yeah. This stuff, right? And it's like all this stuff kind of built to that moment of Countdown to Infinite Crisis. It didn't It didn't feel out of nowhere, right? right? And you were like, okay, that makes sense. There's obviously a heel turn to that, right? Like, it was still a heel turn. Yeah. But it was, a, you still were like, oh, okay, that does make sense to me. It wasn't It's in character. Random. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like it had been, dude. If we got to the end of that, and somehow the reveal was that like Ted Cord was the villain, and he killed Max Lord, and was like, I'm, I would be like, what the fuck? Like that would have yeah. been very, you know, uh, surprising. Uh, and I then think he, that's then, actually a Tales from the Dark Multiverse story. <laughs> it is. I think it is. Think <laughs> that's the Infinite one, Crisis one. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, I think James did that one, right? Yeah. yeah so I think that's right. Uh, but yeah, that, that's the thing. Like that's if if if. I want to make sure that everything feels organic and it feels like we built this story out um, and we're not forcing stuff because, right. and that is the conversation I have with editorial sometimes where we'll talk about like, well, this character is going to do this. Like they're going to do these things and they'll be like, well, where was that earned at? Why did that character come to those conclusions? And it's like, yeah. you're right. I got to do the work and you got to yeah. make sure that we get there. And that's, that's also part of the math in my head on all this stuff of like, it's interesting, you know, to kind of lay all these pieces on the table, knowing that a lot of them will not be in the same place next year. Like, right. I know there are certain things, either we've introduced things or we put characters to certain places or locations, knowing it was all strategically on purpose to get them someplace else later. And so it'll be, you know, 
I think when it comes to some of the event stuff that we're talking about and some of the things that we've been putting together, it's uh, I I hope that when we get there, that when people look at it, that they can be like, oh, clearly this happened because of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. there there was a build to this. It wasn't super random. I don't get me wrong. We were talking about before about some of that stuff. Some people will not care, and they will just be like, "Nope, this nah. sucks." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. But you know, you can't worry about that. You just gotta tell your story and, and try to have fun with it. But yeah, between all the stuff, you know. But yeah, if they're frontier, I'm I am happy with it, and I I am happy with the ending. And I I knew that those are the pieces I was trying to get to. Right, like I knew. I needed for uh, dark side to kind of step up and, and admit like, Oh, there might be something out there scarier than me. So I had to make moves and he knows there is right. Yeah. So he's like, I need to make moves. And that's a big part of what justice league incarnate is about is like, you know, you have Justice League incarnate team looking for Barry trying to stop dark side at the same time as dark side being like, there might be something out there that I can't control. I need to find a way to control it. Cause dark side yeah. is obsessed with control, right? Everything about is about control. Yeah. Um, you know, you go back to his history of, of the things that happened to him that made him and who he is. It's all about control. And so to have him have to admit to himself, I might not be able to control this thing. And that's scary. I need, I need to figure out how to control it. Yeah. And, and how does that impact the DCU? Like if, if the guy who's supposed to be your scariest person, right? Your scariest villain, the, the big, the real big, big bad of the DCU, if he's admitting there might be something worse, what happens next? And and you know, do you do you end up having a team with Darkseid at some point to do that? Yeah. Or but with Darkseid, you know, you can't trust Darkseid. So that's a whole other thing, right? So yeah. you know, and you know that at the end of the day, like Darkseid's gonna stab you in the back for what you do. So it causes all these really interesting uh, conflicts with him. And I think the stuff we're doing in Justice Incarnate, it's it's a story about those people and it's a story about getting the multiverse where we need it in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um but everyone has their arcs you know they're like present superman and thomas and avery all have arcs and we have a new character called dr multiverse and she has an arc mm-hmm. but then you know uh dark side has an arc of, right. of what he has to go through and, and you know and then by the time we're done with justly incarnate then the shit really <laughs> totally <laughs> then cool. it's like oh no yeah now things are this is bad this is dangerous we have a problem and then what yeah. do you do about that you know do you what do you do next what do you do next when you realize the multiverse is like legit in danger what do you do next and so you have to play with I, those ideas i like the execution of just like incarnate because it takes the multiverse which has more or less been like a passenger or mm-hmm. a bargaining chip in the DC universe. Yeah. It's either it's destroyed or it's back. And then you don't yeah. really see it executed in any kind of like meaningful way where it actually has impact outside of like, I guess the vampire Batman still alive somewhere, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, this, well, like, I no, to, it, yeah, we, we go, we have to go to all the different worlds and we get to show that one of the things I've always been obsessed with, and this, this was in infinite frontier is that like, I mean, I really, I think I talked about it more in a frontier and we tried to, we did show it because machine head is very like, yeah, he's like, this is a mess. Like (laughs) I basically wanted, if you are the multiverse, you're every world in the multiverse, right? Yeah. At some point you're going to look at earth zero and you're going to be like, you know, all our problems start there, right? Yeah. (laughs) Like every, every major problem we've had, that has been a focal point of it. So what do we do about that? And that's what machine head was trying to figure out. Machine head was like, what if I put a wall around it? Like, what if yeah. I, what if I find a way and if I can make a deal or can I make a deal with dark side and basically say to dark side, 
hey, listen, I will help you control Earth Zero if you leave the rest of us alone. Right. And that was that was the bargain that all those characters made. And you have to question, like, are they wrong? Right. right? Was Machine Head wrong to say? And it's like, you know, you know, one of the things that Machine Head talks about is that, like, way back when, when, when Flashpoint happened, that idea that, like, you know, oh, there was a, I forget how they word it now. It's like, oh, it was like a rock or a bullet hitting a windshield, right? Yeah. So it's like it splintered out across that windshield. But the thing that Machine Head says is, like, those cracks did not stop at Earth Zero. Those cracks spread out. You didn't see it. And one of those cracks hit Earth 8, and that caused them to have problems. And he's like, but you guys didn't care about that. Right. <laughs> Because like, we're all variants to you. Like it's yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't they're they're not the originals and, and that that you know it leads to a whole other kinds of conversations. And I think that like you know, I, I touched on this a little bit about like after death metal, I mean, you know, the, the people of the DCU, like how do you like the, how do I try to word this? Like the existential terror, right? Oh, sure. Of like like, oh, there's a multiverse and we just died again, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, the world was destroyed and taken over by Batman Who Laughs. Like, when did that happen? You know, like, yeah. all of yeah. these these uh, pieces, like, what does it do to normal people? And then, like, what does it do to heroes, too, you know? And, like, yeah. how to, like, you know, like, what does it do to them? And so I wanted to play with around those ideas and, and the stuff with the multiverse. And then it's, like, now Justice Incarnate is having to try to track down you know, what happened to Barry, because I don't know where Barry is. They're trying to track down Barry, and they're trying to track down um, Darkseid and stop Darkseid yeah. from doing what he's doing. And they're going to these worlds, and they're not welcome on those worlds, right? <laughs> like, what is like, you know, get out of here. Like, Machine Head is dead because of you, and then you have them going to, like, Earth-13 and having characters there being like, you guys are bad. Like, your very presence here puts us in danger. Like, get right. out. Like, <laughs> You know, so there's a lot of of those kinds of things uh, happening in the book, and then you're gonna see how that stuff. I, I just feel like I don't know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into maybe a, too much of a real world uh, a real world uh, analogy here possibly, but it's like you can only ignore things happening outside your shores for too long before they hit your shores, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I mean, I think the fact that there isn't in the DCU, you know, we have the totality team, right? Like they're paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. But it's like, how is that not like a regular concern? You know, it's like yeah. whatever's going out there. So that's what's like a big part of next year is going to be like, well, Earth Zero has its problems. And then there's problems in the multiverse. At some point, those things are going to collide. And then what do you do? Like, how yeah. do you, you know, when you have these two fronts happening, these, this basically two attacks on two fronts, it's like, how does that uh, impact the DCU? And then, you know, so there's gonna be some major pieces that the puzzle will, you know, explode at some point and you'll see the ramifications of that, but all those things will get, will get earned, I suppose. Right. But that was Infinite Frontier with me, like putting out a lot of those ideas on the table and then putting a lot of those like character pieces and kind of presenting these like smaller moments among uh, the multiverse. I remember Greg Rucka one time said this thing where it was like, uh, I can't remember who he was quoting, but it was like the bigger the world, the smaller the story. Mm. And then it was uh, the smaller the world, the bigger the story. Yeah. You know, like you gotta flip them. And so I always think about that with some of this stuff and, and the books that I'm working on and, and try to uh, keep, you know, that straight 
So it's like with Infinite Frontier, it's like, yes, I'm telling the story that's big, cosmic scale, multiverse, all these big ideas, all these things. But then I just want to tell a story about Roy and yeah. Roy being like, I got to get home to my daughter. And where's my daughter, right? Like it's, you know, or these, these, or the idea that like, you know, Obsidian and Alan, and, or I'm sorry, yeah, Alan, Obsidian and Jade, how it's like, you know, they haven't really been around each other a long time now. They are, but they're still being splintered apart from each other. And the frustration that they have there of, you know, Obsidian being like, I understand my dad is going through these like life-changing experiences, but he's also part of this bigger thing with the totality. But at the end of the day, Obsidian is like, I would really like to just hang out with my dad. Right. You know, it's like, and Jade feeling the same way, but then Jade also feeling like her brother, her dad kind of protect her when it's like, I don't need to be protected. So it's like, those are the the kinds of things that you have to kind of like, yes, there's gigantic backdrop. And then we boil it back down. I, uh, I, I, do you ever go to the theater? You ever go to the theater? And yeah. uh, So I always think about this when I go to uh, plays, right. And I'll go to musicals and stuff. And sometimes I'll go, I'm not going to name any, I'll name a couple, but not my, one's my bad mouth. I'm not going to name. Okay. But I'll go see some huge production. Like huge, you know, in those productions are just like, oh man, they had a budget. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and you watch it just like, yeah, but then it's it's boring or it doesn't click or the performances of the story or whatever. And then yeah. you're just like, you know. But then I'll go and I'll see something. Like even when I saw when I saw Hamilton, Hamilton has a very minimal set. Yeah. You know, and they keep it moving, and you're like, this is you you they engross you into that story where even though it's such a minimal set you become very much involved and engaged with it, you know? Um, right. You know, there are times you'll go see these like smaller performances where it's like two people on a stage and that's it. Two people, yeah. two chairs. And, and they just like act the shit out of that stage. Right. And yeah. you, you feel where they are. Like you, your brain fills in the blanks of this giant backdrop, wherever they could be. And they could be anywhere sometimes. And right. I think one of the best performances I ever saw was uh, uh, Patrick Stewart doing like a, a one man show of uh, the Christmas Carol Ugh. and he awesome. played every part and it was just a black stage, but he had all these props. Like it was all it was props that were propped up and he would okay. take from it. He would take from it as he was performing and then he would discard whatever piece. And I love the Christmas Carol. It's like one of yeah. my like favorite stories. Right. And, and watching him do that, you just, you totally are like, locked in and you buy it and obviously patrick stewart's amazing you're like really locked in but yeah getting to see that live um i sometimes like i i think about that with comics where it's like you can have these crazy backups and you can have these crazy settings and, and set pieces and you should in a lot of ways like if you can make an interesting set piece for you for the artist for the reader you should do that but at the end of the day like it still comes down to those characters yes and and you know having you know i think like what am i i remember when i was working on flash in the beginning there's a scene early and it's where barry confronts august about being godspeed he like figured it out he confronts him they're in the middle of a i wrote it like two samurais in a field and i sent Uh, all this reference to like you just you could google two samurais in in a field you're gonna find a ton of dope art right so i sent carmen a all of this art it was like two samurais in a field so just think of it like that visually right it's just two samurais in a field so in that scene it's barry and august they're in the middle of a, like a tall grass field and yeah. it's catching fire and stuff because of them and it's and i wrote it but i was like to me it's just these two characters having this confrontation for three or four pages right and yeah. it's just this this moment of back and forth and i remember uh but i had that in my mind where i'm like it doesn't matter where they are 
it's just these two two characters and they're gonna right. bounce off each other and they're mad at each other and they're having an emotional moment and uh i remember turning the script in and waiting to hear back you know like waiting to get the notes you know because i was like i'm this scene i felt it so i'm like waiting you know and you and so uh when the the notes came in i was on a call it was a call and they had a few notes on this pages and a few on these pages and i was like i'll take care of those and then i was like oh no like they didn't like those pages in the middle and i'm like what what do you guys think of those pages and they were like those pages are awesome good to go <laughs> like no change those are the best pages of the book and right like, oh great like all right you know but it's like because i think you have to kind of do that you know you have to be able to boil it down to the character moments you know i think when you look at infinite crisis there's a lot of really big moments in infinite crisis but the ones i think people remember the most are things like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman standing in the wreckage of the Watchtower talking. Yes. Yep. Right? Like, Easily. that scene resonates, and people remember that from that first issue. I think it's probably one of the, arguably the best scene of the whole book. Right? I'd say so. Yeah. There's all there's all kinds of great stuff in there. There's great know? moments. Yeah, there's Superboy Prime. I think that some of that stuff with Superboy Prime and, and you know, Superman, the Earth 2 Superman, oh, yeah. them arguing and stuff, like, later, some of that stuff is so emotional, and, and yeah. You know, I think that they, but that's it. Like, they, you got to find ways to boil these things down. You know, I, I've right. been rereading Preacher, and there's a lot of scenes in Preacher that are like that. You know, it's it's these quiet moments, where these characters finally talk to each other about something, and uh, those are the stuff that really you know stick with you. Or Starman, you know, yeah. it's like like Starman. Uh, just there's like those little moments. You know, I remember like they would do those talking with David issues, right? Like every year he would do an issue where it was just. Uh, David and Jack talking in a graveyard or whatever. Right. Yeah. In the past, you know, like I just had a whole issue on that. And that's the stuff you're just, you would look forward to those issues. And it's like, yeah. you like all the big stuff. And don't get me wrong, like everything I'm working on next year is very much like heroes versus villains. There's no hero versus hero kind of stuff. It's all, very, you know, oh, it's very good guys versus bad guys. It's very good versus evil. Uh, yeah. But it's like, you know, uh, it, it's, 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 but I like to see those things kind of, these choir moments at right. the same time with all the big the big stuff right and and i i that was again like infinite frontier was a lot of me trying to get that going get yeah. that ball going and same thing with batman like there's a scene in batman 119 where batman is talking to a character we haven't revealed there's another character in the book there's like another villain in the book we haven't revealed yet oh. and and there's a scene where the two of them are just talking and i know that sounds like but they're it's a very tense conversation and it has a really cool set piece and there's things that are happening. Like it isn't just much talking heads, like stuff is happening. Sure. But in the, the day it's like, you know, it's these two characters having a confrontation. And it was like yeah. my favorite, it was one of the things that had the whole, the whole thing clicked for me when I wrote that scene. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I know what this book is about now because of this one moment. Right. This one yeah. conversation. Building well, out. One yeah. of the most recognizable Batman books of all time is just a scene of Batman and his, and his greatest villain interacting with each yeah, other for, without punching like yeah like yeah. those moments resonate they, they resonate more than people give credit for right because like it's just yeah preacher is mostly just people talking to each other like the real there's drama, a lot of punching but there's a lot of talking yeah but like there's a whole issue dedicated almost an entire issue dedicated to talking about how cool bill hicks was like there's a lot of just talking that scene uh, is actually much shorter than i thought it was I you know it felt now. long <laughs> i thought it was like long. i thought it was i might be wrong because i'm not I'm, i think my memory my memory yeah. of, of preacher is like is is 
I haven't done an actual reread of it in a while. So now I'm rereading it and it's like, it's actually much shorter than I remember it being, right? Yeah. Like in my mind, I'm like, there was, there was more going on, but I haven't got to salvation yet. And uh, like, I'm about to get to some, like, I'm like right on the tip of salvation. Yeah. And I love salvation. It's like, it's one of my, I know a lot of people don't, it's funny, like talk to people that's like one of their least favorites, but yeah, uh, I love salvation. It's crucial to the preacher's story. It's the, the Otis King where... one or is that the, uh, yeah yeah okay yeah <laughs> so the thing about the thing about salvation is that's when he lives in salvation he's the yes. sheriff and all that stuff yes. yeah that's so, a pretty that's a pretty awesome arc it's it's that breath it before the plunge yes well it's not just that so in the, in the hero's journey um there has to come a time where the hero is actually given what they want and yeah. then they still have to make a decision am i going to be the hero or not right mm-hmm. like because you're not just a hero because you want something right? right like true heroes do it because it's the right thing and so for jesse we're getting into preacher spoilers here i apologize if it was a preacher you should read it <laughs> but it's 35 year old book if jesse jesse has a moment where yes he's lost tulip and he's lost kind of the mission right yeah yeah but he has this moment where he's in salvation he has the deputy who clearly has feelings for him he gets to be with his mom yeah. you know he gets to punch Nazis and KK hate people in the face all day long. Which and is beat the shit out of bad. It's all he wants to do anyway. Be yep. some crappy people and be be a cowboy. Yeah. Like he wants to be a cowboy on the range person. Like he wants to be John Wayne. Yep. He gets to have all of those things. And life could be perfect there. He knows this. Like life could be good there. He could ignore the mission. He could ignore all the problems. He could literally just lead a good life. And he has to make the decision. Do I lead this good life, getting everything I want, or do I do the right thing? Do I complete mm. the mission? Do I save people's lives? Do I do what I thought was the right thing to do? And of course he chooses, I'm going to do the right thing, right? No. And it's like, I think every hero has to go through that moment. You know, they have to go through that little that little piece of the yeah. puzzle to really get there. And that's what that, that's what salvation is to me. Mm. That's why I think it's like crucial. You can't, because I remember years ago having a conversation with a couple other people, like editors and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, you just skip that one," and I'm like, "No, <laughs> you don't skip it. It's it's so crucial to his character, you know. Like it's it's the moment where he becomes the hero. Yeah, you know, because it's like when when you have to be a hero, you have no yeah. choice to be a hero. That's very different from when you have to choose and you yeah. make the right decision. And so, I always think about that when I'm when we work on these superheroes too. You know, it's it's yeah. I thought about that a lot with Barry and what Barry wanted to be a hero he thought was a hero and you know it coming down to it wasn't about his mom's death like that's not why he chose to be a hero he chose to be a hero because he knew it was the right thing to do like and and we knew that because previous to rebirth that was the case right like he you know he was the flash before his mom had died and he was the flash after yeah so i mean not about that and so barry needed to also recognize that you know barry also needed to see that it's not because of this tragedy of my life that made me a hero i'm a hero because i was it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And that's a part of what I was trying to get him to by the end of my flash run was for Barry, for Barry to realize that, but me also to like to say that out to the world. Right. You know, that was a, that was part of what I was trying to do in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was with now with Batman and Robin and Deathstroke and the infinite frontier stuff, and all the event stuff. It's like, it's the same thing. It's like, I really want to make sure that um, I have something I want to say about not just any one character anymore. Yeah, I have something I want to say about the DCU as a whole and about the legacy and generations of DC and, and the, the pieces of DC that I, I, not just that I like, but I think are important to kind of uh, 
put out there to people, you know, yeah. or at least acknowledge. Because I think there's a lot of parts of DC that we all love that don't always get all the attention it deserves. And so I always want to try to uh, put a spotlight on those pieces and and then also show those pieces from different points of view. So that's those are all the the stuff that's in my head all the time. And I have a million whiteboards in my office. Like that's I have a giant one here. I probably put this before, but giant one here, giant one here. I have another one on the floor over here that I <laughs> use. Like stacks of notebooks and and uh, all just keeping it. And the lab is just locked up in here. <laughs> oh sure. To, like you know, trying to keep it all together. And then I have a bunch of documents that I write. They're like. It's funny if anybody ever calls me like a I was talking about this with DC where I'm like, if you guys want to know anything, you start call me up. I'll tell you too, probably too much. I'll ramble right. about it all and <laughs> break it all down for you. Like yeah, yeah, Tom Tom Taylor and I were talking about some of it last night and I was just breaking it down for him and and you know, giving him like it, it, he and I already talked about it. That was part of the conversation, was like nothing has changed. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to make it nothing has changed. Um with some of the plans. Uh, you know, because he and I work on like we we work so close now. It's like we like he and I are doing so much at DC that it's good that we communicate and talk about what we're doing and you right. know bounce bounce some ideas around and talk everything through. And so I'm always trying to like talk out as much as I can with him and, and other creators too. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff, dude. Oh yeah, no, you're, <laughs> it's a you're lot uh, all the time. prolific. It's uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous right now. Like while we were talking, I have it full screen on my laptop, but I know I can hear my email right so i can yeah. hear no things are coming email. in they're like i, I can this. yeah i bet it's going and then i heard um i have different because i use different forms of chat for different things yep um and i can hear those chat chimes you know so i'm like well that means this person's asking me questions what is that about <laughs> i can hear this person's asking me stuff that's usually a problem so i'm like oh man this is gonna be it, it's 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 funny how i can walk away from my computer for an hour or two and come back and, and sometimes it's great sometimes like a bunch of art comes in and you're just like oh man this is awesome or lettering drafts come in which i love to see or roughs and covers and all this stuff comes in and you're like oh this is amazing yeah and the sentence stuff comes in and it's like oh here here's a problem mm -hmm. <laughs> it definitely happens too that's that's universal though i think that's every job on the planet you go away oh, for a day you come back there's always like a healthy mix it's always that it's always that meme you know that gif of donald glover on uh community oh, walking in those it's like that that meme feels so uh, uh, mass appeal, I guess is what I'll say. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's a lot going on all the time. But yeah, man. And then, you know, Crayon stuff is good. Like, I'm working on a lot of Crayon stuff. Uh, I did yeah. an issue of uh, Silver Coin. Have you guys uh, read Silver Coin yet? We have, yes. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a really awesome idea and a really great execution. I love the concept of, like, giving these different creators that opportunity to, like, tell this kind of, like, crazy story. And, and, yeah, uh, and having, yeah, I think and it's really successful. Yeah, it's been really fun. Like he, uh, Michael Walsh and I talked about it years ago. Really? And like, yeah, yeah, a long time ago. He was like, I have this idea of this thing. Would you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I finally came around to where I could actually do it. Um, and, uh, you know, he and I just talked on the phone a few times. And I was like, oh, has anyone done an arcade yet? Has anyone put mm. the coin to an arcade? And he was like, no. But that makes total sense. And I was like, dude, let's do an arcade in the early 90s. You know, let's just do... Uh, just have fun in that time period and, and it was funny because like i wrote the script well he and i talked about it on the phone and then i wrote the script gave it to him and i was pretty descriptive of what i, I thought it should be but like you know michael and i are the same age and so when the art came in i was like dude this guy <laughs> this stuff looks like my childhood like it right. definitely looked like the arcade it looked like the mall all that stuff the kids everything i was like this is it felt 
so lived into and and then and then he just goes crazy with the horror and he knows horror really really well and it was uh it was such a departure from everything else i'm working on it's it's so you know when you're doing and this is the thing about creator own sometimes is that like when you're telling these stories that are huge yeah. and you're not just telling your story you're also incorporating you know 80 years worth of stories in some cases right like you're yeah. you're including the history of the character but you're also mindful of the bigger picture of that character and the future of that character. Right. And so you're telling these things. And so when you're doing something like what we've been doing, and I've been working on events pretty much nonstop for DC for like five years now. Right. So yeah. it's like being in, in, involved in all that stuff. You're always telling these, these stories that go beyond this one comic. Right. And, yep. and there's challenges there. There's, there's an addiction. I think there's a, there is like a, once you get into that sometimes it can be addicting like i don't know how to word it but you're just like it, there is definitely an energy there that you get a hold of sometimes you're like oh man this is so much fun you know like james and i would talk about this a lot over the last couple of years of moments where when we were building out the plans for death metal where it's like i can't believe we're doing all this stuff you know like we get to, <laughs> yeah. we get to do this you know um and it's like you get to do all that and then every once in a while like it's so rare where you're just like i'm just gonna tell this quiet story right you know it's and that was the thing about doing Silver Coin and some of the other creator stuff I'm doing where you get to kind of like erase all of that from your brain for a moment and just focus on this one That's dope. thing. So it's not always smaller. Like, I mean, definitely Silver Coin is smaller and that all takes place in an arcade in the mall. But, you know, even with some of the stuff I'm doing that's like either horror stuff or sci-fi creator owned, I get to tell a much more uh, contained story. Yes. <laughs> different pieces and it's just me. There's something really beautiful about obviously creating comics right but when you and your collaborators get to just make this world together it's like yeah. you and the artist like you just get to kind of like obviously it's like you know making a band and you're just gonna make these songs together uh bendis bendis always says uh the thing about creating your own comics you have to keep in mind is that it's like making a baby with somebody you know like mm. you're you're it's like it's a relationship like if you're really gonna do it you know and like mike henderson and i who made nailbiter like that has united us forever right like we will you know we're obviously we're friends but it's like we have this baby together that every decision about that baby we have to talk about that baby you know right um and but there is something really beautiful and i think that's why create your own comics going way back to what you said in the beginning about why sometimes creators when they have to choose like of course they're going to choose their baby no like you know, i have this uh are you a basketball fan I am not really a sports guy, but uh, if you reference, you understand that, that there is ago, a thing yeah. called basketball, and that people yeah. dribble a ball and they shoot it. All <laughs> right. uh, play. Yeah, I, I have this 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 thing I tell people about. Um, I was talking about this with uh, with Tom King a few weeks ago because I don't I don't think it's a secret, but he has creator own books he's working on. <laughs> yeah, I think they like kind of teased one recently, right? Yep. Um, so. We were talking about creator own versus uh, work for hire and, and Marvel and DC stuff, and I was like, "All right, here's here's what the differences are. If I am, or you, okay, so you, you are a basketball scout. You play. You were a scout for a professional basketball team, and I come to you, and I say to you, I have this kid. You know, he's 18 or he's a freshman in college. He's great." Like all the fundamentals are there. He knows how to play basketball. Like he is a he is a good basketball player. All the stuff is there. He knows what's up. Um, he's gone through training. Again, the core, the fundamentals, all those pieces are there. 
They just need to have more experience and they need to be put into a team, right? And then they get brought into the culture of what it's like playing professionally, right? Okay. You might need to say, okay, well, they need more time in college. They need more time on the bench. They need to do there are certain things we can do to get them there. But I think I can do that. Like you, you're probably thinking like, okay, the chances of me making that person a professional basketball player, I can do that. Like yeah. it doesn't work every time, but I think I can do it, right? That's what it's like working for Marvel and DC. Like you get these books, these characters, and these characters already have the fundamentals there to be successful. A lot of the pieces are already in place. There's a lot right. of things that you know you can and can't do. Some already made that character's origin a lot of times, right? Like there's pieces there. And even if you're going to make a change that origin, the pieces are there, right? Yeah. Like the pieces are there. The shorthand is already in place, yeah. Right. Now imagine you are still an NBA scout and i you know you're gonna find a new player for your team and i come to you with a baby like a little baby and i say i need to turn this baby into an nba player here you go all right bye like that's the difference between (laughs) working for iron (laughs) trader like when you look at that to make that baby a successful comic book it's a lot more work yes but i think you have an ownership of it that's different not just in terms of an ownership like that baby doesn't have multiple parents. Like when a person gets to the NBA, they probably had multiple coaches, multiple support staff, multiple people in their lives that have got them there. It wasn't one person. I mean, in some cases it kind of is, you know, but, but it isn't, it's always, uh, there is a structure there that gets them there. Right. Exactly. Whereas in the creator own comics, when you're starting the baby. That baby has nothing. No one right. knows what it is. They have brand recognition. It's just you and the other people who are basically making that baby. And so you have a much so you have an ownership of that baby. You have much more of an emotional investment in that baby. But the challenges of getting it to there are also greater. Right. So if you do get there with that baby, if you make it and you make that baby an NBA player and you do it, boy, you like that is your baby. That is, you, right. you will hold on to it tight, right? So that's where some of the differences are because when it gets to that, you understand that like you're part of a process at that point, right? Like yeah. you were, were holding the baton to help that kid get where they got to go when they've already been running, right? That yeah. system's already running. Those are the differences to me and part of where like emotional attachment and why people get defensive or where, you know, creators, if they could choose, they would choose. Like, of course you'd pick your baby, right? Yeah. So it's like all that stuff. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I love, I love DC comics and you know, I love those characters a lot. And I, I probably think about them way too much at this point. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I definitely, you know, my head will always be with Crayroom too. Like, I'm always going to have that piece. Like, that's, those are my kids, you know? So it's such an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing. But that goes, yeah, back around why people are like, if I had to choose and I had the option, what would I do, right? Right, it's, right. It always comes back around to that, but... You know, yeah. I'm excited books, to see comics. what's next. Yeah, I know comic books, comic books, <laughs> yeah. comic books, baby. Yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the next creator own thing coming from you. Uh, can't wait for Thanks. Batman, uh, Justling Incarnate, Robin still going strong. Uh, response has been yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm glad people dig it. Yeah, Robin yeah, is yeah. the easiest thing I work on. Well, Rob, all of it, all of it's been pretty good. Robin is the one that is the easiest. Like, that's the one that just I think it's because Damien, I just have Damien in my head, so right. it's like. I, he's just the, the the clearest voice in my head when it comes to a lot of characters. Yeah, uh, him and Batman uh, are probably what's, the clearest. Voice what's your right voice now. for Batman? What's your Michael like? Keaton. Okay, is it Michael Keaton? Because like, yeah, there's a lot Michael of uh, I know everybody has like their own kind of voice for Batman. They're they're kind of like approach to him. You know, some folk are like, well, ah, he's I mean, a loner. Like, he's when, a, it, when it comes player. to comics, 
when it comes to comics, I look at a lot of, you know, there's the obvious stuff of like Long Halloween and Year One and Dark Knight, but, uh, you know, I look at a lot of, uh, like get Matt Wagner stuff, like Matt Wagner faces, you know, I look yeah. at things like that, you know, and I, I go back and I can, you know, I do look at a lot of the nineties Batman stuff and it's, it's, you know, obviously that's where a lot of my like Batman stuff comes from is that era. But when it comes to Batman, I've always been really interested in something that Michael Keaton said where he would get the script. I think it was for Batman Returns. And he would cross out Batman lines because he was like, Batman wouldn't talk this much. You know, <laughs> Bruce, Bruce might. And he might if he was talking to somebody he knows, like Alfred, but not, you know, not all the time. Man. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, I didn't. Uh, so I kept that in mind a lot when I think about that stuff. And I was a kid, like Kevin Conroy had that voice, too. You know, like, it's, yeah. it, it's it's quieter. Like Batman is quieter. Um we have this huge thing of Batman trades here, you know, and it's like, yeah. I know what James, but also I had to separate myself because like James has his voice. Scott had his, Tom had his, I had to find a way. And I, I really kind of came around to less was more was, gotcha. was really my attitude about it of like less was more with my Batman. Uh, so he doesn't really talk a lot. Right. That's it. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot more uh, grim like grim looks and staring you down and being intimidating yeah. by being present. It's like, those are the things I wanted uh, my Batman to do was talk less and uh, be, be uh, scary by just being a presence in the room, you know, yeah. like that, that was all sort of what my goal was for him. I can dig it. Well, Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Yeah. Can't wait to Always see you more. Fun. Same yeah, here. Yeah. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll see you guys next time with another episode. Of course, uh, Josh, man, I know you, you're so busy, but you should have your own podcast, dude. It's just, you know, you got your haunt of information and a, and, a, and, a, and a joy to have on. But there's no someday. way to time. Yeah. 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 Someday. <laughs> but uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks a lot for watching, everybody.